namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa uttang dhammang sankhang namasami So I was very sleepy, this sitting. I usually am not sleepy at this time of evening. And, and sleepiness is not a pleasant state, right? It's not a, not a pleasant experience. So I sat and watched you in the dark. And it seemed a very, 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 very long sitting. So when when life's experiences are, long, are, are kind of marginally unpleasant, it wasn't hugely unpleasant, but just marginally unpleasant, then time seems to go very slowly, doesn't it? Um, and of course, when, uh, when life is pleasant, time goes very quickly. And um, the capacity to observe the unpleasant is a, a, a really huge source of peace in the mind because when you are willing to patiently endure or notice unpleasant states of body or mind and you're willing to notice that for longish periods of time uh, an hour, half an hour, whatever without hurting yourself, say, without hurting yourself or others and you just notice it's unpleasant, what you're doing is you're awakening to the feeling of unpleasant, but you're not taking it onwards to desire and attachment to desire. So you're, you're, you're letting go of the tendency to uh, participate in desire, which is actually a source of suffering and restlessness. So by observing something unpleasant again and again and again it actually takes you to peace isn't it and that's what you want <laughs> or and this is very important in life but also important in meditation because we get like restlessness is a very unpleasant experience a physical discomfort is an unpleasant experience. Now, physical discomfort, again, as I said earlier, is a biological, is a biological necessity that we have physical discomfort because if we didn't, we would hurt ourselves, obviously. If I didn't notice that I'd cut myself, one hears about people who have a nervous system that doesn't feel pain. I remember way back reading, you know, when I was, when I was a kid, reading an article in Life magazine, which I don't think exists anymore, about a child who had no pain. And the mother was always checking the kid, was something broken? So pain is, is necessary and, and, and it's a good thing in that way. But a lot of life is just uncomfortable. And, and, and um, the capacity, and, and it comes up a lot in meditation, in posture especially the posture, your knees hurt, back hurts, can't get settled, 
And that, of course, creates restlessness. And so earlier in the, in the, in today I was talking about dullness and how you might work with that. Uh, and then restlessness is the other one. And restlessness is um, a lot. A lot in meditation it comes through the, some kind of discomfort in the body and then we don't pay attention to it. At least that's what I find. I know it's kind of there, but I don't really want to pay attention to it. So I'm trying to do something else. But as long as I don't pay attention to that, then it's sort of in the back of the mind and there's a desire not to have it. But when I can bring my attention to the very nature feeling existence of something unpleasant, right? I, 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 t I, I get in line with unpleasantness. I'm right there with it. I'm right there with it. I'm right there with it. That actually takes me to peace. Because? Because I'm not following desire. So it's very important when, to, when we say you awaken to the way things are that you really, you, know, you really know them. It's not like you kind of know you're uncomfortable and you know you kind of don't want it and you're sort of watching the breath but you're not really, really, really with the feeling of unpleasantness. And this is, this is the teaching around Paticca Samuppada, dependent origination. With contact there's feeling, with feeling there's craving, with craving there's attachment to craving and becoming and so on, suffering. So craving arises from the feelings of pleasant and unpleasant. And that's always going on because that's the way sense consciousness works. Uh, sense consciousness works in the terms of, of uh, being attracted to the pleasant and being repelled by the unpleasant. It's biology. It's the way it is. Uh, so that's going on all the time. And in a meditation retreat, you can, you can kind of discern these things because you've got a chance to make your conscious experience a laboratory. And that's what I mean by stream of consciousness. So I said, uh, you know, like we have, we have life stories and, and we have histories and we have passports and so on and so forth. That's the way we live our lives in the normal storyline of our lives. So you, I'm Viradamo, you're not Viradamo. Uh, I'm 72 and you are your age. But also, uh, life's experiences can be noticed as a stream of conscious events. And that's what Satipatthana is about. Body is body, feeling is feeling, perception is perception, and so on and so forth. So when, um, say, uh, let's say I'm feeling some discomfort in my body in some way, uh, when I don't notice it, and I don't pay attention to it, then my mind attaches to that feeling of unpleasant and creates a sense of self. And then I start to look at the clock, and then I think, oh gosh, should I move, should I not move? Oh man, 40 minutes, maybe I just go to the toilet. Me, I just think I'll ring the bell because I can ring the bell. <laughs> I can cheat, you can't, whatever. So, so, so but the mind starts to engage with the unpleasantness and creates a sense of self thought, storyline, right? And it's not a big thing, but, but in, a, in a retreat, you have a chance to actually observe something very, very simple like that and get some insight into dependent origination, how that works. Hmm? And so a very good way is actually with, with discomfort. And I think many of us, would like when I was a younger monk and I started meditation, I, 
I tried to deal with pain in a very willful way. So I saw, you know, Wapapong, all the monks were very diligent and hard-working uh, farming men were very, very strong. They had a lot of oton. Uh, I was a kind of city dweller. I'd been wandering around the world. I had no self-discipline. And all of a sudden, bang, I met Wapapong. And Lopo Cha is giving a three-hour talk. Oh, duk, duk mak. <laughs> and you think, oh, you, were, you, know, you could listen to Lopo Cha for three hours. Well, <laughs> it was a lot of suffering. Um, and, and so then, I, and, the, and the ethos that Wat Pong was you did not move. That was so stunning. You know, that, like you just did not move. These monks are just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. I'm kind of looking through my eyes. When are they going to move? Maybe they're dead. <laughs> but the, so a very strong sense of culture where, no, you, you tough it out. And that was the kind of idea. Now, these men were, were much more flexible than me. And they, they were used to sitting on the floor. They didn't have furniture. <laughs> used to sitting. So they're much more flexible and much more used to just sitting and, and, and being in the heat and so on. Now, I didn't have that skill, training, culture, whatever it is. And so, but I thought, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to move. Well, okay, okay. You know, so I'm sitting there just gritting my teeth. I'm not going to move, I'm not going to move. No mindfulness. Uh, determination, but no panya. Hmm? And no happiness. <laughs> no happiness at all. <laughs> Um, and of course, that's what—that's just willfully trying to deal with pain. And and I, I think all of us, you know, just do that. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to move. If you do the other, every time you feel discomfort and you move, you're just not—you know—your mind's never going to settle. And and you know, I think we've all done that too, where where you, you kind of look at the clock and you move. Should I move again? It's only 30 seconds, and you want to move again. <laughs> And you move again, and you have to move again, and you realize, well, that doesn't work either. Just moving, moving, moving all the time, that doesn't move. So if it's hurting, then you have to get out of the posture and not hurt yourself. But discomfort is a natural part of the body. So then what's the majima way? Is, is to, to awaken to the feeling of discomfort and, and practice awareness with discomfort, which I've been trying to indicate. So awareness with discomfort, rather than sitting there and not moving on the pain. That's not awareness, that's just willfulness, control. So awareness with discomfort would be then making conscious the feeling of discomfort. And that's not necessarily focusing on it. I used to do that too. I think if I really, really focus on this, something good will happen. It didn't. So. Awareness with something, as I've been trying to suggest, is like an open attitude to the way things are, but really being with the way things are, not being dissociated into thought. So the thought of discomfort is not discomfort. The thought of cold is not cold. Right? It's different. So there's this kind of direct relationship or direct knowing of Vedana is Vedana. Yeah? And then from that, you see this, this urge, this urge to move, and that is the arising of tanha, yeah? And now if you're, if you're discerning this, you're beginning to say, oh, okay, that's what, what, that's what we mean by dependent origination. 
paticca samupada. And that's where you always work. Contact, feeling, craving, attachment, becoming, old age, sickness, and death, and the whole shlamazal. So, so you're, 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 you're developing this kind of attunement, because you can do it on a retreat. You can't do it all the time. This attunement to this place where letting go takes place. This, this, this pasavedana uh, tanha, or, or upadana. Now, upadana, so in, in the Pali contact, pasa, yeah? Uh, and that's any kind of sense contact, thought, emotion, bodily feeling, whatever. Vedana is, is translated in English as feeling, and, and, and uh, or I always think it of, of, of in terms of magnetism, you know, like polarity. So when, when something is a negative polarity, I'm repelled by it. And when something's a positive polarity, I'm, I'm drawn to it. So there's a kind of the working of the flow of conscious experiences, there is the attraction, repulsion, attraction, repulsion, attraction. That's going on all the time. It's biological. All right. Now, the pro- now there's nothing wrong with that, but tanha arises, and, and so the idea then is, if I fulfill the demands of tanha, I will be happy. Right? And it works sometimes. I'm thirsty, I drink water. I'm hungry, I eat food, I'm tired, I rest. So sometimes it works. Trouble is, tanha is always engaged with objects. And, by, and just to, get you, get you from, to just remind you how I use the word object, I don't just mean iPhones. When I mean objects, I mean objective experiences. So sights and sounds and tastes and bodily feelings and smells and emotions, and memories, and all of that. That's when I use the word objects, that's what I mean. Or the five khandas, if you want, whatever way you want to talk about. All experience, say. All experience. Now, all experience is, obje- is, is changing, but is everything changing? This is the trick question I ask Buddhists in the West. Buddhism 101. Everything changes, false or true? True? You fail. Sorry, back then. No. <laughs> if everything changes, there's no way out. The khandas all change, right? That which, so the teaching is not that everything changes. The teaching is that which arises ceases. That which is born dies. But the Buddha says there is the unborn. Okay? Very important. I do this trick all the time. It's good fun. Because that's what people think. They think that the Buddha said, everything changes. No, no. He said the khandas change, but he said there is the unconditioned, the uncreated, the unoriginated, the unformed Nibbana. Huh? That doesn't change. And if you didn't have that, he said, you'd be no, there'd be no release from that which changes. There'd be no liberation if you didn't have that. And this is terribly important to really understand why we do the work we do. If we didn't have that teaching, if the Buddha didn't realize that, then Buddhism would be a very good psychological tool, right? It'd be very good uh, morally and ethically. That would be excellent, right? But it really wouldn't be religious or spiritual or transcendent. And that 
unfortunately, say in the West, I don't know, not in Thailand, in the West that ha it happens a lot. Buddhism is reduced to a kind of um, stress technique or uh, psychological technique or whatever. And that realization that the Buddha had is, gets kind of lost. Huh? So to me, and I, and I mentioned this earlier, this is very, very important that, that, that we realize that. So, so the logic of that is that going back to dependent origination, that if, my, if I'm always following tanha, then what will tanha do? It'll always take me into that which changes, objects. So if I feel uncomfortable, then I seek comfort. Okay, that's natural. If I, if I have something unpleasant, I seek the pleasant. And this restlessness is enacted in consciousness. And that's what we call rebirth. That's the rebirth you can know. Whether I was born in a past, you know, whether I was, I lived a past life or I live a future life, I don't know. I'm not a psychic. I have no idea. I've never had a psychic. I'm, I'm looking. <laughs> I've been waiting for 46 years and I'm still waiting for my first psychic experience. So uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm a poor guy. But I know for sure that the sense of self gets born into consciousness when I attach to craving. That I can see. So, and, and, and take little examples, doable examples. Like watch tomorrow when discomfort arises in your body, in your mind, uh, will you start to think about time? Will you start to think about when is he gonna ring the bell? Has he fallen asleep? <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> or whatever you want, right? Will you start to look at the time? Uh, should I move? Should I not move? Will a sense of self be reborn? Yeah, probably, right? Probably. Um, now, if you then can keep your attention, and please use this as an example, because it's a very, very good example that you can actually work with. If you can now go to the very feeling of discomfort, and you practice presence with discomfort. You're not controlling and, 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 and look at the kind of wanting to get away from it. That's the pressure of tanha, wanting to get away from that. And without hurting yourself, be with that pressure. Now, if you're with that pressure, you stay with it, you stay with it, you stay with it, it takes you to the cessation of craving, which is synonymous with nibbana. Niroda, right? not as some fancy thing outside of you, but right now, right now. And you'll find that your mind will, will begin to be quite peaceful, even though the experience was unpleasant. Why? Because you've not followed tanha. Now, there's nothing wrong with tanha, right? It's not like evil to move. <laughs> You're bad, monk, you moved. That's what I thought. Um, but rather, it's just limited. Tanha is limited to experience. Now, when we use the word dukkha, now some people say everything is dukkha. True or false? Now everyone's careful. <laughs> I'm not going to answer this guy. True or false? Everything's dukkha. No, 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 no. That which has the nature to arise has the nature to cease, and it is dukkha. Now, why is it dukkha? 
Like, we, 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 we use the, the, the word dukkha in three ways. Okay? One, we use dukkha when we talk about Vedana. Bear with me, I'm getting very scholastic here again. Sorry about this. Vedana, we say Sukha Vedana, Dukkha Vedana, and Neutral Vedana, don't we? So, pleasant feeling, unpleasant feeling, neutral feeling, right? That's one way we use the word Dukkha. We also use the word Dukkha in Aryasacha, the noble truth of suffering, okay? And the third way we use the word Dukkha is when we consider the word Lakana. And Lakana is characteristic. So we say that the characteristic of all things that arise and cease is dukkha. And why is it dukkha? Because it's not nibbana. You will not find the permanent in the impermanent. You will not find the unconditioned in the conditioned. So, and here, here's where it gets kind of funny. In this way, sukkha has dukkha lakana. Sukhavedana has dukkha lakana. In other words, sukha, happiness, sense happiness, pleasure, is pleasurable. It's not unpleasurable, but it's limited because it will change. And if you don't know that, then you'll suffer. If you think that pleasure is going to stay there all the time, you'll suffer. Now, we all know that, but do we? <laughs> We kind of know it theoretically, but actually, we forget all the time. So when Sukha changes to Dukkha Vedana, you know, life gets messy or whatever, then we think there's a problem. But there's no problem, it's nature. It's just natural. So like, like me as a teacher, sometimes I'll feel very confident. Well, oh, it's nice. I like that. And then sometimes someone will say, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> or they'll ask me a question which I can't figure out. Or ask me some clever poly words and I'll, I don't know. And then maybe I'll not feel confident. Now, confidence is Sukha Vedana. Self-doubt is Dukkha Vedana. But the awareness... Awareness of that is where I can get beyond confidence and the lack of confidence, you see? So if I am attached to the pleasantness of thinking I know something, when self-doubt comes up, I will suffer. Because the nature of, of, of intellectual confidence is that it's anicca dukkanatta. It changes. You can't rely on it. And yet we do. Yeah? So when you don't feel confident, you can still know. And that which knows that you feel confidence and that which knows that you feel doubt is transcendent because it's neither of those. And that's where we're going to. We're not going to an intellectual confidence or a, or a, or a kind of belief confidence. Buddhism is better and all that, right? I really believe in the Buddha and, and raw, raw, raw kind of thing. No, no, we're going to something which is transcendent of intellect. It knows intellect. It knows the feeling of pleasant and the feeling of unpleasant. So the more we can tune in to craving without denying its existence, and the more we can just notice it as an object, the less we attach to it, in its cessation there is peace. 
And, and I found so often where I have a, a meditation where there's a lot of physical discomfort. And, and then I choose, okay, I'm going to stay with it. And, and, then, and then I'm not aware of it, actually. I know it's there, but I'm not aware of it. And I said, wait, wait, you're not really, you're not paying attention here. You're kind of trying to do something. Watch your breath or whatever. And go back to it. What's, what does it really feel like, the Dukkha Vedana? What's that like? And that is Satisampajanya. That is mindfulness and clear comprehension. This feels this way now. And then there's the pressure to move, the pressure to move. No, I'll be with this. Okay. I'll be with this. I'll be with this. And as, the, as you stay with this, the mind settles because it is no longer attached to the khandhas. It doesn't need the khandhas to be any way. It doesn't need a particular kind of experience. And this is happening all the time. And this is a very, very, very kind of pragmatic kind of thing to do. So when, when, when your mind is producing unpleasant things, is that a problem? Or is it the problem, is tanha the problem? So if you feel upset about something, is that really a problem? No, it's unpleasant. Is unpleasant a problem? Not really. It is a problem if you want pleasant. And if you take the logic, can life possibly be pleasant all the time? No. Obviously, we all know that. So why make unpleasant a problem? Avijja pachaya sankara. With ignorance as condition, we get sucked into this whole problem of being human. So we're trying to have enough intelligence, say. Like one of the things that Lompo Sumedho will... We went, we went on a lovely trip to... We took Lompo Sumedho for an 85th birthday um, road tour uh, into Quebec. You know, Quebec is next to the province I'm in, French-speaking, very charming people, lovely, uh, along this massive river called the St. Lawrence, and we did a 10-day trip with him, and it was great. It was great fun. And uh, everyone, you know, when we'd get to some beautiful, beautiful place and have a Starbucks and <laughs> do all the good things I can do with Long Paul, and, and, and Long Paul would turn to me, he says, Virdamo, this is a peak experience. And it was actually very wise, because he's saying, he's saying like, it's not going to get any better than this. He said, well, he wasn't even saying just enjoy it. He said, this is a peak experience. So when it changes, and I got bronchitis, <laughs> and I was coughing for a week, well, it's supposed to be that way. You cannot sustain uh, like peak happiness all the time. It's not possible, right? And yet, we continually fall into that kind of a trap. We think that, oh, now I've got it. I'm happy. Oh, now I've lost it. I'm not happy. But awareness, you never, you never lose it, really. Awareness can never... You can't get rid of awareness. Try to get rid of awareness. Okay? All day tomorrow, get rid of it. Right? Make yourself absent. <laughs> I mean, it's absurd. Like, okay, I'm, tomorrow I'm not going to be here. <laughs> you're going to be here. <laughs> Even though you might think you're not here, you're always here, aren't you? Even though here might be a fantasy or whatever. And what is that sense of presence? And that's what, that's what consciousness is. And consciousness, awareness, presence, satisampajanya, puru, the witness. We have different ways of talking about this. That is the gateway to the unconditioned. And then tanha is the pathway to, reborn, to be reborn. 
So the, I think the, the intelligent question is, how can I live with tanha rather than get rid of it? Because tanha is natural. How can I live intelligently with the needs of the body and psychological needs of heaven and so forth? But also, how can I live and not be the victim of tanha, the slave of tanha? How can I do that? The, like, I often talk about my kind of basic, the most difficult uh, underlying kilate uh, or, or defilement that I, I faced, and that's fear. And, and, and I always talk about this on retreats because this, this has been my big ajan. There's been Lompa Cha, Lompa Sumedho, the Dalai Lama, and fear. <laughs> And fear has been a big ajahn. And what I've had to learn from fear is what is tanha in relationship to fear? Because the fear, the social fears and anxieties I faced as a young man, that was just gum, right? It was just a kamma of my particular conditioning. And I couldn't do anything about it. It's not that I was a coward. I could do, you know, I could do strong things. But the social anxieties and fears were very, very strong. So they became my ajans. And, and, and think about it. The thing that obsesses your mind the most has got to be your biggest teacher. Like if 50% if, if, if of your mind is spent in complaining about whatever, then if you, if you make that your ajan, then that's 50% freedom. There's a deal. But what we usually think is if I didn't have this complaining mind, I'd be happy. Yeah, yeah, sure, but <laughs> big deal. It's actually your teacher, isn't it? It's your teacher. And what is it teaching you? Well, for me, fear was teaching me that the problem is not fear. The problem is not wanting the fear. And there's a big difference. So the fear or the anxiety would arise, and then I'd think, I want to get rid of it. Well, obviously, because why? Because it's unpleasant. So you have the same thing. With contact as condition, there's feeling. With feeling as condition, there's craving. With craving as condition, there's upadana, attachment. And then that's the creation of self. And I, and, and I struggled a lot with that. And only when I finally, re and very much through Lompo Semedo's help, he said, you have to welcome fear. And what do you mean, welcome fear? You must be crazy. I got enough already. <laughs> I don't want more of this stuff. It's, and it's counterintuitive. You'd think, well, if I could get rid of this, but that's vibhavatana, isn't it? Vibhavatana is the desire to get rid of. So we have the three kinds of desires. We have bhavatana, vibhavatana, and kamatana. Kamatana is just kind of getting lost in sensuality. You know, eating too much pizza and watching Netflix all night. That's kind of what kamatana is. You're just absorbed into sense sense experience. And as long as you're absorbed the sense experience, you're not available for the unconditioned. Your attention is always preoccupied with conditions. Beautiful conditions and exciting conditions and whatever it is. That's kamatanha. Bhavatanha is this, always this desire to become. Always moving to the future. Vibhava is the desire to get rid of. And so for me, the problem was not the fear, it was the vibhavatanha. The desire to get rid of. 
And it took me a long time to see that, even though Lompo constantly was, no, that's not the problem. And why couldn't I see that? Because my habitual reaction to fear for so many years or so many lifetimes, I often felt it must be lifetimes sometimes, uh, was to function in that particular way. And that's the nature of, of avijja. So we say avijja pachaya sankara, with ignorance as condition, there are these ignorant formations. Huh? And, and the whole thing unfolds from that. So the basic problem is ignorance, not understanding the way things are. Huh? And, and the basic strategy that the Buddha suggests to us is, is intelligence. Look at the problem. What's the, what is the problem here? Well, I'm suffering. Okay, okay, make that conscious. I'm suffering. What's the problem? I'm not getting what I want. Oh, poor guy. What's the problem? Well, I don't want this. What's the problem? The problem is attachment to wanting. And so what's the solution? Giving up that attachment. So with the fear, what was the solution? It was welcoming the fear. Now that's not nice. That's not fun at all. That's not pleasant. So you start to welcome the fear and it feels even worse. Right? At least before I could get distracted. And now you feel it. You feel it in the body or whatever. But now, now you're beginning, I'm beginning to, to apply the letting go of, of the attachment to craving. And so even though the experience is unpleasant, the process is now moving towards the end of craving and the end of fear. Right? That's how fear ends. No longer feed it. You create the causes and conditions for fear not to arise in the future. But in the interim, there's the old vipaka kamma and the vipakam, right? So now I feel these things, but that for some reason is the way the mind has been conditioned. It's constantly unpleasant, right? There's no point where fear feels pleasant. So it's constantly unpleasant, unpleasant, and constantly desire saying, go away, go away, get something else, get away, get away, get away. And constantly going back, no, unpleasant feels this way, unpleasant feels this way, it feels this way, it feels this way. So now we're practicing awareness with dukkha vedana, awareness with the feeling of fear. And as I'm doing that, as I'm doing that, the fear becomes less intense. The craving to get away from the fear becomes less intense. And there's an increased capacity to be able to be with this now. You get better at being with your stuff, as it were. And body awareness, begin to see that I, not, I can't work this out through thought. Analysis doesn't work. Try to figure this out, doesn't work. And you're going to, I just have to, what ton? And, and, and the early years in, at Wat Pong, I mean, that's most of the teaching I got from Lumpa Cha or Lumpa Jan or other monks, you know, go, oh Lumpa, I'm falling apart and Oton, <laughs> endure. And I kind of felt, well, thanks a lot. You know, you, you've been a monk for 40 years and that's all I get, Oton. But what else could he say? Oh, you, you know, oh, poor Viradhamma, you're suffering, right? They said, Oton. And, and, you know, sometimes that's all you can do. You can just bear with, bear with, bear with, because there's nothing. But the bearing with cannot, like, like Lompo Cha said, you have to bear or oton or endure with wisdom. You can't oton like a kwai. 
know, he, he'd say, you know, the water buffalo out there, you know, they really auton. They just stand in the sun all day. <laughs> he said, but that's not going to work for you. So wisdom. So then you're, I'm applying attention to dependent origination. Contact, feeling, craving, and attachment. Now the word upadana, uh, attachment in English, uh, in Thai, yeah? Um, did I get the tone right? No, but getting better. <laughs> it also has another meaning and it means fuel. So the idea is that, that craving and the suffering that's caused by craving is like a fire. And it's burning, right? And that's why the imagery of Nibbana is cooling. But it's like, cool, man. <laughs> cooling, like the fire go out. So upadana is not only attachment, but it's like putting more wood on the fire. And that happens, doesn't it? If, you, if I don't notice the fear, and I then try to get away from the fear, then it's my fear of the fear that's the problem. My aversion, and that creates more, more fire. So in the burning, you feel the burning, whatever it might be, but now you're not putting more fuel on, and that's non-attachment. That's what we mean by non-attachment. Now, non-attachment doesn't mean you don't feel the burning. Non-attachment doesn't mean, it means you don't put more fuel on it, because, because the feeling of fear, in this case, and you have to extrapolate to your own life. I don't know what kind of things you experience, but the feeling of fear uh, it, you know, has a lot of power in it, and non-attachment wasn't not feeling it. No, it was actually fully feeling it, fully being aware of it, full feeling, being fully engaged with the feeling of fear. So the non-attachment, what was that? It was not creating a sense of self through thought. So that's why, and this is why Satipatthana talks in that way, talks about, and, and the meditator knows feeling as feeling as anicca dukkanatta. Right? And then fear is fear, this is anicca dukkanatta. And that takes you to the place of non-grasping, non-attachment. So on a retreat, we have a chance to kind of check this out in little ways, in, in little ways. Uh, and, and if you get good at it, then... You, you don't create any kamma around that. And then, because I'm not creating kamma, like now, I, don't, I experience very little fear. Uh, and and uh, like, I used to be very afraid of walking around an airport. I always talk about this, I'm sorry, but that's the only example I have. I only have one guy, one life. But, you know, I'd feel very, incredibly self-conscious in an airport. Well, of course, look at my outfit. <laughs> I'm really not feel so, but, but, I asked other monks, they didn't feel so, like Ajahn Amro, Ajahn Jayasaro, I never feel fear. I said, how do you do that? Different kamma, different problem. But I would feel very, so, so then, I'd, then I'd use that, and I'd say, oh, self-consciousness feels this way. Fear feels this way, right? Be with it, be with it, be with it all the time. So I'm practicing with fear, and practicing with fear is the non-attachment to fear. Sometimes we think that non-attachment means you shouldn't feel anything. So you, you know, you feel angry at someone. Oh, I'm, I'm attached. No, you're not. You're just angry. <laughs> it's just anger. 
Well, where's the attachment? Is I shouldn't be angry. That's the upadana. And that's the uh, sakayaditi or, or self-view. Whereas when you say you fully feel anger, it feels this way, then the tanha, what's the tanha doing? It either wants to believe in the anger and hurt the other person, or it wants to hurt you. Vibhava tanha. I should not be angry. That's attachment. That's attachment. I should have metta for everyone. That's dumb. <laughs> That's impossible. I should have metta for everyone all the time. That would really set you up for dukkha. You know, if, imagine, imagine that this retreat, this is what we say to each, we say, that I will have metta for everyone all the time, 24-7. You'll go out and you'll go crazy. Because it's not life. Life isn't that way. Life has got anger and it's got fear. These are just components of consciousness. So non-attachment doesn't mean not feeling things. It's actually being fully aware of them. And that's different. And when you're willing to be fully aware of something, then it goes away from you. It travels away from you. So I don't know how much you've studied uh, dependent origination, but it is pretty central to the practice of awareness and, and, and to realize that, like for my, my first trick question, uh, does everything change? <laughs> right? And is everything dukkha? Well, lakana, yeah, the, 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 the khandas are dukkha because they're changing. What's the unchanging then? What isn't dukkha? Well, what you only have is consciousness itself or awareness, knowing, and you have to trust in that. And so the methodology is to trust in awareness rather than tanha. And as you trust in that, you move towards the unconditioned. When you trust in tanha, you move to the conditioned. That's the theory. So I'll leave that for your reflection tonight. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs>